basically as soon as I finished watching it, I just texted you uh, because I decided that it was obviously the uh, for <laughs> for our extra bonus Halloween episode for Split Tooth. We had to do this. <laughs> your your dad's really mean mugging me right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's bringing back Grandpa Crook Kicker. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> Split Tooth Media and the Synesthesia Podcast present a special bonus October podcast. Sleep. Perchance to scream. Do you want a chair? Do you want a chair that's not a child's chair? A little tiny child's chair. That's <laughs> 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 uh, really delightful. Wait, you have a regular <laughs> chair? I'm sitting in a... In is a, something you should have thought about before we made the call? <laughs> this is how talk show hosts do it. Sitting in a, a tiny blue toddler's chair. Yeah. Uh, there's a brown chair right there. That's a chair. You just put some phone books on right it. There? Yeah. I liked your use of my crazy uh, computer issues. Yeah, I really, like, there's no way I couldn't use that. It was so good. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Colleen started I also listening just feel to like it. anybody actually listening to it. It's like, I just want you to know what you're in for. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Colleen started listening to it, and she made it. She was, like, a minute into the intro, you know, because you've played that whole scene with uh, the Russian lady, and then, like, the song starts, and she was like, what? Why Why aren't you guys on this podcast? And I was like, oh, no, 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 this is just one. It's like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it requires patience. Ah. And I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not everybody will have that patience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think... Uh, is this now? Uh, the podcast. Yeah, oh. just generally. Oh, oh the... Uh, how it's sort of... Uh, I've not had a chance to listen to the new podcast. Mm. That's okay. Yeah. I was just asking Jim if he heard uh, how the last one was edited, because yeah. I was like oh. to hear his feedback. Is that the Howling 3? It is. Yeah. I have not seen that. I've seen the first and the second, but... Oh. Your sister is a I, werewolf? Yeah, I wish you'd been there for it, because Jay- I had seen the first yeah. one and the third one, and Jason's only seen the third one, so we had no real oh. uh, context for the oh. second one, besides Jason's readings. Yeah. Uh, I just remember Car- John Carradine at, at the end. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Maybe it ends the same way as the black sleep. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> there are similarities. <clears throat> All right, let's get sweaty. Beyond any terror ever known, the black sleep. It wakes the dead. Five of the screen's greatest horror thrill stars, Basil Rathbone, Akim Tamirov, Lon Chaney, John Carradine, Bella Lugosi, and these beautiful women in their power. <laughs> Pass through a madman's hellfire. Enter an ancient abbey's secret passage into the most terrifying tortured dungeon from the medieval past. Shocking victims of a famous brain specialist gone berserk. 
plunging you into a reign of terror. That's cerebral fluid. But that means this man is alive. He is alive. This is criminal. Monstrous. Mungo! Why not use her? Put her on the black sleep. Take her up to surgery at once. A horror beyond belief. Feeding on beauty. <laughs> Lusting to claw the world apart. Jason, I typed I typed black sleep into my Amazon Prime and I was like, I'm pretty sure I have at least one of these words wrong. Uh, just because that's <laughs> barely a title, uh, and I and then it popped up a movie, and I was like, "Is this the right movie?" And I clicked on it, and I saw the cast list, and I was like, "Oh, a hundred percent, this is what Jason <laughs> was asking me to watch. This is definitely the right project." Um, yeah, I watched it without knowing that cast list. By the way, <laughs> oh, oh, um, I'm yeah. super jealous because I will come back to it. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it gets it gets shown right. I'm at the super jealous of because of what is clearly my favorite moment in the movie that I suspect is one of your favorites as well. <laughs> yes. Probably. Oh, that that voice is my dad. Hi, oh, dad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching this thing a couple weeks ago, and uh, there were certain parts that showed up there, and I said, uh, "I've got to send this to Jason." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we ended up watching it again together here the other night. So. <laughs> It was, it was funny because he'd seen one scene from it. Okay. Yeah, I was talking to him about it. Yeah, I caught it on tell, television. Tell, tell, yeah, tell about that. Shut part. up. <laughs> they don't play this kind of movie on TV. Um, well, I caught it on Turner Classic Movies in like yeah, not, 1993. Not um, no, literally, like <laughs> this, just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I caught it. Weird, and, but <laughs> so yeah. My dad brings up this movie, The Black Sleep, and I'm like, yeah. oh, you gotta watch this. I'm like, oh, I saw a part of this. Yeah, we can watch it. And me think, I didn't realize what it was. Yeah. I mean, um, how could because, you? Which I'm very well, happy about. Well, so if you read certain descriptions mm-hmm. or certain cast lists, you might have an idea. But I caught this film. So this film, I don't even know if we want to start off by describing what yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I'm going to describe to you what I thought it was first. Oh, you should, great. And that's then, a, you should pull up the, uh, the blurb. Well, that's what yeah, I was yeah, trying okay, to find. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I caught it on Turner Classic Movies, and the only scene I caught, I, I turned on the television, and I leave my television on Turner Classic Movies because sometimes I'll turn it on uh, to switch it over to one of the streaming services to show Gus a Sesame Street. But sure. something will be on Turner Classic Movies that catches his eye, and he'll say, I want to watch mm. this grown-up movie. And then that'll last oh, for, nice. like, a whole scene or two. And those are the oh, only wow. movies I get to watch anymore. <laughs> Just, like, a scene or two on Turner Classic Movies uh, until either he gets bored or, like, there's about to be blackface. And I'm like, oh, change it! Uh, <laughs> sure. It's, like, one of the two. Uh, because I'm not I'm not ready to explain that yet. Yeah. Um, but So we, we turned it on, and it was... The scene in the film, so the the film uh, stars Basil Rathbone as an experimental brain surgeon. And the scene I saw was um, the first brain surgery scene in the film. And so it's Basil Rathbone and his assistant, 
and you know the other people who are, are working in his laboratory um, cutting into this person's brain and talking about the different regions of the brain and what they do and what they've discovered, but all in a, in a fairly dry manner that yeah. to me felt just like a medical drama. And yes. so I was watching this scene that I thought felt like a medical drama. And I looked at the synopsis and the synopsis <laughs> just said, uh, you know, in, in 18, whatever surgeon played by Basil Rathbone experiments with, uh, a new sedative that allows him to study the inner workings of the brain. And that was all it said. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, so this it's not is, wrong. This is <laughs> no, a medical not. drama starring yeah. Basil Rathbone. But as I was watching the scene, it I started to notice like the set and yeah, the way that the they were in a stone room. <laughs> they're in a stone room. <laughs> they're like a gothic castle. And so then yeah. I started to, to form my theory of what this film was that I was watching and I was sitting there with Lucy who was also just totally, we were both hypnotized by this film. We were like, what <laughs> is this? Uh, I was like, I think this is a medical drama from the 50s that whoever made it decided to shoot it like a universal horror movie. <laughs> so then I was thinking that when my dad brought this up I was like, oh, we gotta watch yeah. this movie. I was like, okay. Uh, I mean, that sounds great. I want to see what else they do with it. But I really yes. thought that we were just going to be watching a medical drama, like like a historical medical drama about the development yeah. of certain parts of anesthetics and brain surgery and neurology yeah. that just happened to be shot in like this gothic tone. And it was like a weird mismatch that maybe the director yeah. had some ideas that the producer didn't have. And that was going to be like this weird mismatch. Or they could only afford one set. They're yes. they like, we're currently shooting uh, a Frankenstein sequel. Yeah, you, this is so what we, we have. You got to use this. It's like, okay, we'll we'll make do. And so I just thought yeah. it was going to be this interesting curio. We start the movie and the cast list. Yeah, Bella Lugosi, Lon Chaney Jr., <laughs> Tor Johnson, John yeah. Carradine. I was like, wait, wait a minute, <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> it is a very it is not a medical drama <laughs> no i mean it's there's medical stuff it's medical how would you describe this movie having now seen it <laughs> uh i don't i mean it is sort of halfway between a medical drama and a universal horror movie it yeah. is it does it does sort of continue to run that line i mean it, it maybe pushes a little more horror movie at the end <laughs> I mean what this is this is like the other the other missing link between um, like later 20th century exploitation horror and universal horror yeah. the first one being in my mind spider baby yeah which I've sure. written about sure. for split tooth before but sure. this is like the other end of it where it's it's weighted more towards the set bound yes. gothic yes. castle thing but it, and it but it's out. trying to do a thing. Yeah. yeah. yeah but somebody it's in 19, 1956 who wanted to shoot a universal 1930s, 40s horror film. Yeah. You know, is the way, way it feels to me, you know. At the, the lighting beginning. and everything. At, at the, beginning. the at, beginning. At the beginning, yeah. At the beginning, yes. Okay. <laughs> because yeah. by the end, yeah. it's a full-on 
gonzo uh, drive-in freak show. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes. With people yep. being lit on fire right. and John yeah. Carradine just screaming and stomping around yes. the room. Yes, exactly. And like, yeah. you know, horrific violence. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. It, exactly. It gets, you know, I, more than once during the last 15 minutes of this film, I said out loud, holy fucking shit. <laughs> because what just happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, yeah, it took a it turn. It is very, <laughs> it's very like, it's very Frankenstein in, for the yes. first two thirds, right? Yes. It's these doctors having moralistic questions and lofty ideas and. Yeah, it's almost like that or like Bedlam or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but then <laughs> yeah. swiftly towards drive-in territory. Yes. Well, I mean, so I was watching it and I was enjoying it, right? Yeah. Um, And then. I, I imagine you already know this, but I, I was clipping along, and then there's the scene that introduces Lon Chaney Jr. Yes, is it's like a slap in the face. It's like you're yes. you're watching these like these like serious men uh, d- doing serious movie things, and then Lon Chaney Jr. literally pops out from around a corner in close up and screams at you, uh, <laughs> like dressed up like uh like like the Lou Ferrigno Hulk version of Mo Howard. <laughs> just like comes out of nowhere and screams and you're like you're like this man's in another movie. It's kinda like in what is it, Terror Train where uh all in the yes. middle of it um yeah. Kojak pops in and right. from a Soviet right. film and you're like where did you yeah, come from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what I love which is that, that, that uh, POV shot of the hands. Oh coming, you yeah, know, yeah. That, right there. That's what I first said. I gotta give. I gotta give Jason a call. <laughs> well, but that is, and that is one of the first big turns in the movie because it. Yeah. Like the movie's strange before then, and you get yes. the sense that like it's doing something beyond just yeah. a just a like yeah. like I said just a historical medical drama. But, it but is, like Basil Rathbone is a very classical actor, and he's like menacing in a very sort of yeah, classical way, you and know. He's very it, reserved, yeah, and and all, all the like the dialogue and the delivery all feels a little like a little bit purple, you know. It's like a little, yeah. Mm, it, wait, yeah it, so you feel like you're like things are a little off in this movie, but I think I know where I am. <laughs> yeah, when and he's been talking about. Um, like genuine medical issues, yeah. Like trying to solve certain problems, and he's bringing in this guy from medical school, and it all—it all sounds like it's a movie. It doesn't sound yes. like it's true, but it sounds like yeah. You said like a more serious film, a more serious yeah. drama, yeah, and then Cheney just busts through, and it's like, oh, yeah. I. That's he's like Mongo. he's like I'm the other half of this movie. This is what's going to be happening <laughs> for the next thirty minutes. Yeah, dudes like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some, some of the uh, films you know, came later, like like the Poe films that uh, were done, like the yeah, the um, yeah House of Usher and stuff like that. That's that sort of feel, that same sort of feel to it. Only you know a little bit earlier, like than those kind films of like heightened and. Yeah, yeah. Before before the weird turns in. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. super so, gothic. So I did not know what I was sitting down to when I sat down to this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I completely agree that Lon Chaney Jr. scene is like the big turn. Um, yeah. But then it keeps. You're like, it, oh, this movie has has gone around a corner. Yeah, <laughs> but and, like then it keeps pulling and and pushing back and forth because. 
The of surgery course, yeah. scene is after that, and even watching it now in context of the whole film, it still does feel much more normal. Yeah. You know, like a normal... Like, there's elements where you're like, oh, this is kind of a thriller now. Where did he get this body from? It's got the same tattoo yes. that Akim Tamarov has on his arm, so why is that? Yeah. And it has all of this stuff going on, but it doesn't... It's not as... What's the word I want to go... It, it's not as uh, as lunging, <laughs> you know, like that scene. But it starts yeah. to get more risque or more, like, edgy as... Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, uh, Akim Tamarov as Udu the Gypsy yeah. starts oh, to... so good. So, yeah. well, he's amazing, yeah. first of all. Yeah. Had you, Always amazing. Are you familiar with Akim Tamarov? I had not seen him before, and I looked yeah. him up. I think he's in a couple of the I was, films or something. He's in a bunch of stuff, but I'm trying to remember what it is I know him from the best. I just, I was like, oh, he's like a tiny Zero Mostel. (laughs) (laughs) Like with, like sort of chewing scenery and with a little bald spot and greasy hair. (laughs) I was all in on Akim Tamarov. I want more. Um, Oh, he's Joe Grandi in Touch of Evil. That's what I know from the most. Oh. Oh. He's Joe Grandi. The, he's like okay. the head of the Mexican crime family. Yes. That Orson Welles strangles to death. <laughs> okay. I think I've just never seen him in a joyful role before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so he's amazing. Uh, yeah. But his role in the film, he he is sort of like this. Uh, and, and there's like a. You, you can make a pretty problematic reading of his role in the film, obviously like, first of all, just being a gypsy and being the, like (laughs) the man who steals bodies. I was going to say he's the man who steals bodies (laughs) and technically he's stealing them for Basil Rathbone, but yeah, Basil Rathbone is given this like sympathetic motivation. Whereas the gypsy just wants money and cares nothing for human life. Um, so (laughs) obviously that is, you know, that's obviously operating on a certain gross level. Yes. Very 1950s. Uh, that carries through <laughs> all the way to the end. Um, but, as you said, his performance is so joyful. And oh, yeah. also his seediness and, and like, true, uh, like, bottom-level evil is one of yeah. the most exciting and weird things about the film when it starts to get yes. just really menacing with um, the the woman he ends up killing so that she doesn't mm. you know squeal that he killed her partner and that, but I, I forget yeah. exactly what her name was even but like just that whole scene and the way he is with her is so intense for a 56 yes. film. Yep. Yes. <laughs> uh, and and the way it all plays out is so brutal and weird that it that that was another part in the middle of the film where I was like this film is going other places. Yeah. Uh, yeah, then even like a universal monster film or other like earlier horror film would go, and that's why it is this. It's this felt like this other transitional piece, being an independent yeah. film, being from the time that it was from, uh, being Bela Lugosi's last finished role. You know, sure. so it's like this capstone yeah. on it. Last it, one, yeah. Because except for the, the the little appearances in Plan Nine from Outer Space, which right. was a really complete film with Tor Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing. I was also saying, starring. Tor Johnson. Yeah, and, and like, why Tor Johnson for that part? Is it, you know? 
But yeah. I mean, I, I think the they one... were trying trying to get at so many of these names because yeah. the Universal horror films were, were were such a peak of appreciation by the uh, by the teenage population at that point in time. That if someone probably figured if they put all these names together in one thing and put it in the theater, it would fill seats. Yeah, yeah. So, I yeah, hope I think, it did. Just from a gross level. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never heard of this movie until yesterday, so who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's another super momentary highlight for me was we we see Tor Johnson entirely after he's been converted into a monster. Yes. Uh, but there's that one still photograph of him, like, <laughs> being dashing that's just oh, so yes. delightful. Yes. Yeah. Yes. With the blonde toupee. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I tried to find it afterwards. I was like, I want to still have just that. And I His impression of a gorgeous George or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so nice. Um, it does feel like there, there are all these super strong actors in this film, and most of them are given very little to do, right? Yes. They're like, they're yeah. like there, and they are doing they're doing what they can with their roles but their roles are pretty small a, a criminal which use of them yes yeah. yeah which definitely makes uh akim tamarov sort of come off as as the the hero not the hero of the of the story but the hero of the movie right like yeah, he's yeah. he's the one you're sort of the most pumped on by the end because <laughs> he has a real role and stuff to do and he like gets to to chew scenery a little bit for a purpose right whereas yeah. like uh, I mean, like, Bella Lugosi, for instance, is, like, kind of silent and sad and just, like, does has two scenes where he pantomimes something, right? And you're like, right. I'm a little sad for this guy. Yeah. I Which, I mean, to... I was glad to see him, you know? You know, I was, uh, I was, li- I was listening to one of the uh, interviews or or the prologue to the film that they were talking to on TMC. Sure. And uh, they're saying he really desperately wanted a talking role oh, in really? this film. And he talked him into it, and they did a couple of the uh, shots with him talking, but then cut it out of the f- of the final film because he's <laughs> supposed so to be uh, uh, totally mute because of the surgery. I right, guess. because but, of the surgery. Right. Yeah, you know, that seemed to happen. I, that that felt kind of tragic. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's, I feel like if I had a movie where I was like, oh no, see this guy did surgery on your on your uh, talking part of your brain. So you can't talk. And yeah. Bella Lugosi was like, I would really like to talk. I'd be like, okay, quick rewrite. This guy did surgery on the talking part of your brain. Now you can't stop talking. How's that? Yes. Great. Let's go. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's like, there I, are adjustments like you that. can that, make. That would have been a great, yeah. great thing to do. Or like, yes. you can only say four words, right? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> or you like add a scene where Lon Chaney Jr. brings him with a candlestick and then all of a sudden he can talk again. <laughs> yeah. He He's like, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. yeah. And then I guess the second favorite part is when John Carradine shows up. <laughs> oh man. That was, that. I, I saw that. That was the second time I'm going, Oh yeah, definitely. You got to pass this one on. <laughs> well, yeah. as this film develops, yeah. it, it keeps, as you said, like the, the Lon Chaney scenes, a slap in the face and saying like, here's what's going to yes. be happening. But then it does keep, as I said, but then pushing it and pulling back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then it's like, okay, we're going to go to the surgery room. It's in a secret passageway behind the fireplace. <laughs> yeah, behind the fireplace. 
Okay. <laughs> it even sort of does like a little. He's like pulling the fireplace back, and he's like, "That's you don't want to catch fire in the room, right?" He's like, he's like sort of putting a hat on how yeah. sort of weirdly gothic it all yes. is. Well, yeah, and I mean, they're walking through. He has some line about it's like, "Oh, all of these old castles have things like that." And you're like, yeah. "Okay," but you're leaning into it. Um, yeah. So then, but then. Later, when they're exploring and they're trying to get into the surgery room and they go into the wrong room, then all of a sudden they're just like going downstairs into the castle. They're like, like, where did the upstairs go? Who knows? Let's go down these stairs. And they're just in these, you know, demonic catacombs underneath the castle. They've descended into hell, essentially. And the first thing that happens is John Carradine's giant bearded hairy face pops out (laughs) and he just yells about the infidels! (laughs) Infidels, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was like, this film gets... Las Vivas! <laughs> it's like, as soon as they start going down those stairs, the film just starts plummeting down into the oh, depths yeah. of where it was gonna <laughs> go, and you're like, oh, that's what we're watching. And, and, like, from the moment John Carradine shows up, you could... You could play yakety sax for the rest of the movie, right? Like from that point on, it's like it's a bunch of people waving their arms and throwing things at each other and setting each other on fire uh, and falling out of windows and stuff, right? It's it's they're like they're like here comes the army of goofballs. Yeah, what was the next like, turning point? Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to the point where like Tor Johnson's strangling Lon Chaney to death yes. and they're yeah. lighting yes. a woman on fire with like John Carradine hits her over the head with what is that he's carrying? Is like, a scepter? It's a, it's a cane. No, it's a cane. Why, why did they let him have that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like a crutch. It was a crutch. More of a crutch than a crutch. He doesn't need it. Yeah. He's walking around <laughs> no, swinging he does and not need people it. over the head with it. He's yeah. Oh, he had something that they, to do with history. <laughs> <laughs> they've operated on this man well, it does, on his brain it, and turned him into somebody who thinks he's... Into, like, like Moses or something. Or not. He thinks he's like a crusading knight from the oh, 12th right, century right. or yeah. something. He's, he's living history. And they have him crammed down in this basement. Bohemon or something. Yeah, Bohemon. But they don't lock yes. him up, and they let him carry around this giant no. weapon. <laughs> well, it is. It seems like this is cause it kind of goes back to this idea that they're like trying to make Basil Rathbone both both of the like Doctor Frankenstein and I. Well, I guess this is all sort of Doctor Frankenstein, right? He's like he's like yeah. well intentioned and uh, but like but really ruining everything he touches. Um, yeah. But he, you know, he he has Lon Chaney, like, working in his castle, sort of, even though he, like, can't do anything and occasionally flies into a rage, right? It seems like he's trying to do good by all of these people whose lives he's, he's, whose brains he's maimed, right? So he's like, oh, whatever I did to John Carradine, my old colleague or whatever, now he thinks he's a crusading knight, I'll just, I'll give him, like, a sackcloth dress and a, and a, and a prop so he can wave around, (laughs) right? He's, like, trying to be good to them all. And then change names to, like, Mongo. Yeah, <laughs> that one seems rude. That they're like, yes. ah, instead of calling him Doctor uh, Monroe, was that right? Monroe, yes, From Monroe, now on, we'll yes. call him Mungo because he's dumb. <laughs> and his daughter's there, you know. Yeah, and she's like, please, please stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that shot of the. Whoever it is they set on fire, running down oh, yeah. the whole hallway on fire, was yeah. so nice. Yeah, yeah. That was, a, a, very, wild, that was uh, a wild shot. That was that was very well done yeah. too. Yeah, and like intense for the yes. time period. Right. <laughs> and she come, yeah, like it comes out of nowhere. 
Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't... Like, you just don't expect... Was foreshadowed, though, when he was pulling out the fire. No, 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 of course. I mean, it, I don't mean it sure. comes out of nowhere. It all, it all makes sense. But just the way that the film, yeah. like Jim says, the yakety sax. Yeah, exactly. Like, the way that the film just suddenly just starts falling in on itself intentionally. Yes. It just it yes. happens so much faster than you expect. Yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, yeah, it's like they sort of introduce both elements, as you said, and then they sort of, there's like the interplay for a while, uh, but like it's mostly the Basil Rathbone movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, and then they go downstairs and the movie's like, okay, we're doing this for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> you ready? Like, buckle up. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you're just like full on in, like I, I wouldn't be shocked if someone told me that there was like a William Castle gimmick at that part where like, they had, they hired Lon Chaney Jr. to run around in the theater <laughs> while it was, like, heft someone up over his head while it was happening, right? They just start shaking yep. chains and, like, releasing, yeah. opening up, like, <laughs> canisters of mildewed sure. cloth for people to smell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, now you're in the catacombs. <laughs> oh, no! They set the actual theater on fire. <laughs> And smell vision I bet whoever wrote that synopsis at TCM was like, hey. <laughs> well, good job them. They definitely got me. Good work. <laughs> I wonder if they're like, I wonder if they're like, how can I describe this movie so that our target demo, which is, I assume, 60-year-old white people, will watch it. Right? Right, yeah. yeah. What who watches TCM? I had not seen it before, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is this is in your in your range. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> what would those people be thinking by the end of it is my question. Yeah. yeah. Like does that really benefit people them? who are like, "Oh, Sherlock Holmes is going to do a medical drama." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Jason, <laughs> it benefits the wolf them. Man and you know, so. <laughs> um, I know nothing about any of the people who made this. The the director also directed The Mummy's Ghost. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> um That's the only real connection I'm finding well, anywhere. No, so so the producer I Aubrey know, Shank. I missed that. I missed that. I, I yeah. should know more about Aubrey Shank because he's yeah. he's uh Hollywood royalty, but I don't really know that much about him. But he was an independent producer. Hmm. Uh, the, I mean that's okay. one of the interesting things about this is this this is technically an independent film in the that sense of like sure. You know, it is not a studio. Independent film. Right. B films financed through different ways. You know, yeah. really the, the way that um, like it doesn't mean that it's an an off Hollywood film. You know, it's still a sure. Hollywood film, but from an independent producer as opposed to one of the studios. Is that system was breaking down? But Aubrey Shank, you know, <laughs> became an independent producer, and and I'm realizing now that he did. He started off his first film was a Vincent Price film, Shock, and one of the last films that he. Oh. Uh, brought into being was Daughters of Satan, uh, which is oh, written okay. by oh. the same writer, John C. Higgins, as The Black Sleep. Okay. Interesting. Uh, which there's at least some thread there that I want to follow. Or just dream this about. This director I don't also know. directed Diary of a Madman, which is another Vincent Price, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah. That, there's a Vincent Price film of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this <laughs> is just another one of those films where like, I desperately actually want. An oral history. Like an oral history. Like, I want (laughs) to know how all these things came together. Because it also just feels so strange that Bela Lugosi and Tor Johnson are in this film, and it's right in between, um, uh, shit, what's the, 
the Edward film before Plan Nine that has them both in it. I don't know the order of the his movies. atomic beast or the monster mm. from from Nuclear Town. I I can't remember. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. uh, no, nope, that's it. Yeah, I'm drawing blank. But like these, you know, they they're in the the Edward Junior orbit, and then they end up in this film. Yeah, together yeah. at the same time. And then Tor Johnson's going back into Plan Nine, and I'm sure it it isn't as uh, significant as it feels like to me now looking back on it but mm. i just i want to know what all the connections are i want to know like who knew who and yeah. where did that intersect and what little moments of meeting might there have been from between people and uh, i'm probably never going to find any of that information but no no you're not uh, but i would also be interested if you want to take on a new job jason a new unpaid <laughs> job <laughs> yeah i just i would be curious to know like what what was Lugosi's status? Did they think to use sure. him because Ed Wood had used him recently and that and there was some sort of attention? Or like they're just palling around? Just, they, or it's just total coincidence. You know, did, right. they, did they think of Lugosi and then think of Cheney? Did they think of these separately? Did one follow from the other? Who else did they try to get in there? Yeah, right. Not? They had the script and they got John Carradine and he was like, oh, I could get some of my pals to take a look at this if you want yeah. some other dudes to just run around for t- for for five days yeah. on a set they have three draculas <laughs> in the film like yeah it doesn't happen by accident <laughs> it's true <laughs> you could have in the early 50s made a movie cast entirely with draculas <laughs> <laughs> what would that be now what would you have to do we I, we don't have any draculas now do we well, we have, a we gary, have oldman. gary oldman yeah, and we yeah. have who was in who was in uh, Dracula? Oh, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, right? And, and also uh, Frank Langella. Oh, wait, Wesley Snipes. Oh, Frank Langella. Yeah, yeah, he's still. Active. Yeah, you could make a movie out of all Draculas. Old Dracula. Well, wait, are we making it out of Draculas or like capital D Draculas? Because I'm saying those are three. I was looking D Draculas. Yeah, yeah, capital yeah. D. No, I'm swinging for capital D's. I think we're all those are all capital D's. We just said oh, Wesley nice. Snipes. Isn't he Dracula 2000? Oh, is he? I don't know. I know he, are you just thinking of Blade? Did you think Blade was a Dracula? I'm. Yes, I'm thinking of Blade. <laughs> <laughs> Willem Dafoe counts though, because Shadow of the Vampire. Oh, yeah. is about the making oh, of Nosferatu, yeah. which is a bootleg Dracula. It's pre. Right. Yeah, it's just it's just yeah. knockout. Dracula. Well, Gerard Butler is Dracula. In Dracula 2000. What? <laughs> I am even more in on this idea now that we get to put Gerard Butler in it. They have a whiskey bastard Dracula? Yeah. I want to find out who else has played Dracula who's still alive. Didn't Leslie Nielsen or somebody play Dracula? Yeah, but he's dead not alive. Oh, Dracula dead and loving it. Oh, oh see, it's that's true. Right. Yeah, true, true. We bring him back. So, oh, also, oh, no, wait, that's not a Dracula. What are, are Anne Rice's Draculas aren't Draculas with a D, are they? So that gets rid of Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're not actually Dracula. I did just look up Dracula on IMDb to try to find names, and I found an <laughs> actor named Ray Reardon whose nickname is Dracula. <laughs> that's nice. Wasn't there something that uh, Andy Warhol did with... Uh, oh, uh, Blood for Dracula? Uh, Dra- no. uh, Dracula. Yeah. yeah, Udo Kier. Yeah. Udo Kier. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, yeah. I was blanking I'm, out on that. I love this cast list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Christopher Lee. He's still... Uh, is he not, or did he he's just... still kicking. Is he? Did he die? I, I think he did, guys. I think, I think, yeah. Happy well, Halloween, Christopher Lee. Is... 
yeah. Christopher Lee is dead. <laughs> yeah, we got Gary Oldman. We got... Well, that doesn't count. I'm not going to count the guy who played Dracula on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, yeah, that's not a real Dracula. Joss Whedon doesn't get to add to the Draculas. Uh, Dominic Purcell played Dracula in the Blade movie. I don't know who that is. Is, is he that guy with he, like a very European face and sunken eyes? Maybe. Got a very round head. Thomas Kretschmann in Dario Argento's Dracula 3D. Oh, never okay. saw that one. Luke Evans in Dracula Untold. Okay. I feel like this is just getting worse. Yeah, no, let's stick with our originals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. G- Gary Oldman, Willem Dafoe, and Gerard Butler. Yeah. And Udo Kier. Three Draculas and a little lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. Did you find the pictures of Gerard Butler as Dracula? No. I'm gonna I don't know why I didn't think to look at that. Oh, please do. There is the chin function. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <gasps> oh, that's so good. Little baby Jerry Butts. <laughs> Sleep for Chance to Scream has been a special presentation of the Synesthesia Podcast, produced by Iguana Donald Studios, and distributed by Split Tooth Media. Music by Grundley Jim. The next chapter of Synesthesia is being written, but so are more little one-off dealies like this Mama Jamma. We're gonna call them Lil Shorties. Yeah. Some sweet damn in-betweeny cool hell Lil Shorties. Madman's Hellfire. Synesthesia.